Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's Emily and Yolanda. Hey! We want to tell you about our amazing new course because we just launched our pre-sale. That's right. I'm Yolanda, the director of the Free Birth Society School, and I'm thrilled to tell you about the very first course we're offering, Free Birth Society's Complete Guide to Free Birth. If you're interested in birthing outside the system but you don't know where to start, or you're encountering resistance or fear in your own mind or in your community, or even if you just want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row, this course is for you. Free Birth Society's Complete Guide to Free Birth really is incredibly comprehensive. We cover everything from how to talk to friends and family, how to navigate your choices with a nervous partner, how to get a birth certificate, what prenatal care could look like when no one else is managing you, how to identify real complications and emergencies, and let's get real, we go deep into unlearning the myths about birth in our culture using evidence-based information to relearn what normal birth is and how to prepare for it. Our intention is for every course participant to emerge with the tools to approach their free birth with confidence and the knowledge to discern what safe physiological birth looks like and in possession of the power to manifest the birth of your dreams. What's also really cool is that we offer long-term support, live group coaching, options for one-on-one coaching, and you will get lifetime access to the course material. We even have quizzes and worksheets, meditations, hypno-affirmation tracks, and all sorts of unique and helpful custom-tailored birth prep for your free birth. This course is for the woman who wants to birth in power on her own terms. We have created this course especially for you because you're standing in the very place Yolanda and I both were when we recognized that hospital birth or any form of birth in captivity just wasn't our path. So head over to our gorgeous new website, freebirthsociety.com to learn more and to sign up for the course that will quite literally change your life. Today we have Zudeka from D.C. After being abused in the system in her first birth, Zudeka knew in her next pregnancy she would not return to the hospital. She tells us what it was like to navigate a nervous partner and how she made a compromise to receive obstetrical prenatal care for her partner's comfort with her second pregnancy. She describes her experience of being a black pregnant woman in America and speaks to the systemic racism in healthcare. Then, of course, Zudeka shares her gorgeous free birth story. And lastly, she tells us about her current pregnancy, in which Zudeka has enjoyed doing completely on her own. I am originally from Denver, which, um, you know, is kind of a, an open-minded, hippie-ish town. Um, and so growing up, my vision of birth was always, um, I always pictured myself like digging a hole in the backyard and like squatting <laughs> and having a baby, <laughs> like going in the house, awesome. like, oh, there's my baby. Um, which of course everybody was like, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> so when I got pregnant with my first child, I was, I, I, I had no concept of what actually went into a home birth mm-hmm. and um I ended up 
I chose a, a hospital with a midwife program thinking that I was going to get a um, natural home birth experience, but like in mm. um, a hospital setting. So I would have like the safety of right. the medical. Right. And the best of both worlds. The yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Except that's not what certified nurse midwives do um, <laughs> at all. And it was a very, <clears throat> it was a very rude awakening for me. Um, I think the process of, go, you know, getting ready to give birth. I've always been the type of person who really has, to, I want to research everything. Um, and I didn't really know what resources to go to because especially at that time, there were no, this was like 10 years ago and there were no like natural mama apps. There were no, you know, it was, it's, I didn't know at that time of any websites or anything like that, that gave information about, you know, how, how to give birth if you want to, to really be in control of it. It was, you know, baby center and what to expect and, you know, your week by week development, um, which was great information. And, you know, it's fun to be like, oh, your baby's the size of a pea. You should eat this. You should eat that. Um, but I ended up, I had really bad hyperemesis with my baby Mm. and, um, you know, so I started out where I was in and out of the hospital getting IV fluids just to try to sustain. And, um, it wasn't, I expected to have this like beautiful pregnancy process and I was going to glow and I was taking walks and I was going to, you know, gain my 30 pounds and have this all belly pregnancy. And I was vegan going into the pregnancy. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to maintain this and it's going to be awesome. And instead, I swole up really bad. I gained like 70 pounds. Um, I can eat anything but like McDonald's and um, Totino's 99 cent pizzas were like the only (laughs) things I could hold down Mm. uh, for about six months. And it was awful and it you know it just kind of rocked me out of my center so then I ended up I um I you know when I started when I got to the point where I was uh, going into labor my instincts you know I, I knew that I was going into labor um me and the midwives argued the whole time about how far along I was and so that was probably one of my first clues that you know like this is not the process that yeah. I want to have. Um, you know, it was very much like, oh, you know, everybody fits into this 40-week chart. And I was like, well, I have 22-day cycles. So, you know, they had a date that they said, this is the day your baby's coming. And I said, no, my baby's coming this day. And it was one of those things where I had dreamed my daughter before. Hmm. So I knew I was having a girl. And I knew, you know, I'm having her on July 26. I don't know why. <laughs> I knew the exact date. Um, and they were like, no, that's too early for you to have her. You know, you, you need to wait two more weeks. And I was like, I'm having her. So, of course, July 25th, um, I, you know, I'm leaking fluid. And I go in. And they're like, no, you're fine. You know, we want you to wait another two weeks. Go back home. Whoa. And I go back home. And I start having contractions later that evening. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm having a lot of back pain, and my instinct is, you know, get on your hands and knees. Mm. I had never heard of spinning babies. Nobody had ever mentioned that to me. The midwives had never mentioned that to me. They never talked to me about, you know, exercises or baby positioning, anything like that. Um, But my, you know, my instinct was like, stay on your hands and knees. So I spent most of the night um, on and off hands and knees. 
and then my contractions got closer together, and I ended up going back to the hospital. And again, they so they did an ultrasound. They said, "Oh, you know, yeah, your fluid's kind of low. I know you said you were leaking fluid yesterday, but we still don't want you to have this baby, so we're going to stop your labor and send you back home." Which, you know, as educated as I am now about it, stopping somebody's labor at 38 weeks is ridiculous. Um. So, you know, they gave me a shot and sent me home, and it did not stop my labor. And then I ended up going back to the hospital where they accidentally ruptured my membrane doing um, repeated, you know, cervical checks. Um, So, you know, everything, just the whole time as, as things were happening, as all these interventions, you know, my spirit was just like, this is not right. This is not what's supposed to be happening. You know, they were like, you're not dilating. And I was just like, you know, I'm not, they had me strapped to the bed because they said that the baby's heartbeat was decelerating. Mm-hmm, and the whole shebang. Yes, you know, like things that you find out later are perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and well, and, and had, finding out later that being strapped to the bed and all this intervention is not normal. Exactly. And it's not helpful. Right. And, you know, like I had every textbook sign that the baby wasn't in the right position. Mm. And so rather than, and everything in me, you know, I kept telling them, I really need to get on my hands and knees. I really feel like I just need to crawl. I really feel like, and was not allowed to. And ended up having, you know, they they gave me morphine because I refused the epidural. And then it just got to a point where they're like, well, you're dilating so slow. Like, you you know, I had been in labor for 24 hours at this point and hard labor. And they were just like, oh, you know, well, you you have to go ahead and get the epidural because you need to get through the night. You're not going to be able to push till the morning. So I ended up having to consent to an epidural that I didn't want. You know, I just felt really powerless. Um, And then, you know, the next morning comes and... I'm ready to, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, it's time. It's time for me to push. Like, I can feel that it's time for me to push. And they were like, no, the midwife's not here yet. You know, we don't, they don't like it when a nurse delivers babies. So, you know, just hold it in. Oh, no. And it's just like, you can't hold a baby. It's like Like, telling, I mean, first of all, it's way worse than this. But it's the, when I try to make people (laughs) understand this, I say, it's like right when you're throwing up, but you're already throwing up, someone tells you don't throw up. It's, you you can't, you can't do it. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's physically and emotionally painful. It's very physically and emotionally painful. And, you know, I have no concept of like fetal ejection reflex or anything like that. So, you know, I'm like literally trying to keep my knees together to like hold this baby. Oh my gosh. Um, And finally just got to a point where I was like, I'm pushing. I don't know what y'all are doing, but like, here comes the baby. It's happening right now. So, you know, I have my daughter. Um, she has an infection. I have an infection because of all of the delays that they have put into place. Um, I really, you know, I, I knew a little bit about placentas, and I really wanted to, you know, to see the placenta. Uh, my placenta was in pieces. It was black. Mm. It was all, it, it was it was awful. It was, um, Why do you think it was black? Been, she had been without um, any, I, had, I didn't have any fluid. Like, I had been leaking for days. Mm. And um, so she had been without any fluid at all. And so everything was infected. Whoa. Um, so you had an I infection. Think, yes. And um, I think from the way that they ruptured my membrane, right. because I probably had 
12 to 15 cervical checks. Oh, my God. Person after person after person. This is like, oh, you're not dilated. This is everything. Um, This is the most like cliche hospital birth, classic, like common story. And it never ceases to fascinate me that this is what women are going through and they're leaving thinking, well, not you, thank God, but most women are leaving thinking that was a normal birth. Yes. And, you know, for me, I was livid, you know, because I was just like, this is not the experience I wanted to have. Uh, My daughter was born face up because the position they kept me in, she just never turned. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I ended up, I tore a little bit because of the way that she was born and because of the position that they had me in uh, when she was born. Uh, I was just, I was livid. And afterwards, they had the staff come in and apologize to me. And, you know, it, it was very much, they were just like, we're sorry, we didn't really listen to what you were saying. You fell, and we didn't really listen to, you know, what you were saying you were going through. Because they had a picture of how my birth was going to go that had nothing to do with me. Well, yeah. And had nothing to do with, like, what my body was going through or anything like that. And it was one of the first times for me... um, that I really connected to the fact that, like, you guys treated me like a welfare mom because that's what you assumed I was. Mm. You assumed that I came in here, that I didn't have any concept of, like, my body, of myself, that I didn't have any autonomy over how I wanted to conduct this birth. You assumed that it wasn't going to be a big deal. And, and And let me just add that they also treat rich white women like this. You know, yes. I'm not, I mean, of yes. course we obviously know that women of color are treated far, far worse in the system and, and all of that. Yes. And that's, what's like, wow. Like this is how they treat all women. All women yes. are treated like they don't know their bodies. They don't know what the F they want. This is a fact of what's it called? An assembly line, like factory farming. And yeah, no one listens to women. Very much. And I was also, I was very clear that if I hadn't been, ready to push and then after I gave birth because you know we I was the problem um you know mom afterwards like they had to take the baby immediately because you know she needed antibiotics I needed antibiotics and you know I freaked out and um you know I wouldn't let them take the baby after that you know we insisted on co-sleeping at the hospital like I, I freaked out wow and um you know I think that because I freaked out and then I refused to stay at the hospital so they were like, well, you have to stay at least overnight this next day because, you, you know, your daughter, had a, she had a fever. And so they were like, you know, we need to make sure her fever comes down. But I was like, I'm leaving in the morning. I'm done. And I don't know what y'all are going to do. I don't know, you know, bring me whatever paperwork I need to sign. I, this is done. We're done. I'm not, I'm not dealing with y'all anymore. And I think at that point, you know, they kind of realized, like, okay, well, you know, like, this is a person who's educated enough about herself and her body that she's going to be a problem, so let's apologize and, like, try to smooth it over. Um, But it was very clear that if I hadn't been so adamant, if I hadn't been ready to push, I'm sure that they would have pushed the Mm -hmm. C-section. I'm sure that if I hadn't been such a problem afterwards that there would have been no apology or anything like that. Um, well, and sometimes the, it goes the opposite way where the more you push and the more you decline and the more you dissent, the more punished you are. So it sounds yes. like thankfully, at least it slightly went in the direction of you were able to kind of alpha the situation and, and they wound up 
being somewhat apologetic. A day yes. late and a dollar short. Yes, it was. It, it was. It was definitely a day late and a dollar short. And you know, some of it, I had my mom was was there. She was a super advocate for me. And I had a, you know, my birth plan was was really thoroughly. You know, we we were the type we showed up with printed out birth plans and put them on the walls. And you know, we were probably annoying from jump. Well, and you were, and, and, and the long, the, the, the long and short of it is you were in the wrong environment, you know, like it, all of 100%. that, like if anyone listening is, is doing the same thing where they have a really thorough birth plan and they're going to put them up all over the room and they, all this stuff, then don't go, the don't go. It's, don't go. It's the wrong place to do that because <laughs> no one cares. They don't. And they're not interested in it. And uh, the, the nurses found it very annoying, and we're very open about the fact that they found it annoying. Oh my god! And we're very open about the fact that my self advocacy was annoying mm-hmm. to them. It was a problem for them. Mm-hmm. And um, so from that point, when I went to my uh, follow up checkup and some of the things that they said, I was just like, I was right the whole time. Just everything they said, I was like, I was right the whole time. And Mm -hmm. as I started to really research, you know, like, well, why did my baby not get into position? And then all of a sudden, you know, here's this spinning baby's information. I'm like, oh, hands and knees turns the baby around. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Like, and nobody had ever said that to me. And so I was just like, there's an instinctual part of us as women that just knows what to do. Hell yeah. And I feel like I got robbed of the ability to make those decisions for myself. And I said, never again. Mm, I'm so sorry. I'm not having another baby like this. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I had afterwards, because my daughter, I, I noticed in her personality, especially um, even to this day, like she's a very, she needs a lot more support. And I feel like, you know, those first, a uh, couple of days, especially for a new baby, are very traumatic. You know, you're in the warmth of the womb, and then all of a sudden the womb pushes you out. And mm-hmm. it's bright lights, and all these people are passing you around, and, you know, all these other things are going on. She comes out, and she's sick, and, like, it's, mm. it's it was very traumatic. I feel like she didn't have what she deserved in terms of, of needing to be... You know, she didn't get to do the breast crawl. She mm-hmm. didn't get to do immediate chest-to-chest. She didn't get to do, you know, they tossed her under some warning lights to try to help. And mm-hmm. it just, it was, it was everything for both of us that it did not need to be. And I felt like, you know, when you bring a baby into the world, it, it, that should, it should be a sacred process. And it should be something where, you know, especially afterwards, you know, because mom, we're riding the, the euphoria. So afterwards, my focus should have been able to make sure that she was comfortable mm-hmm. and that she felt safe and that she felt protected. And, you know, I wanted her to be able to, like, grow up and have always that that base in within herself that, you know, I was always safe. I was always protected. I was always comfortable. And I feel like that was always a little rocky yeah. with my oldest child. Yeah, I've heard so, that. Hmm. Um, it became a big deal for me uh, after I had her. I was like, I'm not having another baby unless I can have this baby at home um, and have the baby the way that I want to have the baby. So uh, probably, I didn't, I, you know, it's probably it's six, I think six years later, um, my husband and I got married. And, um, you know, and I had told him from day one, like, I'm going to have a home birth. And he was just like, yeah, whatever, that's kind of crazy you know i had moved to dc by then and um dc is a very medical type of city um so you know i i was very adamant about the fact this you know this is the way i want to have this baby so we get pregnant 
And, um, you know, we're calling around, talking to different midwives, and run into a couple of things, which is one that in D.C., you know, midwives are not covered by your insurance. Mm -hmm. So everything comes out of pocket. And, you know, people are giving us quotes from anywhere from 3500 to 5000 mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like we just got married. You know, I, got, I was one of the people that got pregnant wedding night. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> it's such a beautiful, beautiful moment. But, you know, we hadn't established where we had, you know, we didn't have, like, savings and things like that put aside, um, you know, to contemplate how we were going to have our babies. Sure. And we wanted to have babies. But, you know, it was, I thought it was going to be, like, months. It takes women a long time to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm thinking, like, oh, we'll get married. You know, I'll go to the doctor and just find out if everything is still working okay. And just, like, go from there. And it's like we get married and I'm, boom, pregnant. Um, you know, so we're calling we're interviewing midwives, um, trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do. My husband was very uncomfortable with the idea of home birth. And, you know, it's his first child. It was his first child. And, you know, so we went back and forth for a little while and had a couple of moments that were really hard because, you know, I have to understand that it was his first child and that it's fair for him to be worried. And it's sure. fair for him to want his child to be born safely and taken care of. And, you know, and and for me, you know, like I, you, a lot of times when you see birth, his experience of birth was like, you know, Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. I'm bleeding out and, and here comes my uterus it's on the table. And mm. Well, and that's <laughs> the whole, I mean, on. right. That's the whole lie, right? Is that men yeah. are, well, women are too, but you already woke up to the the truth and that he has been conditioned to believe the safest place is to be in an emergency um, oriented environment because birth is an emergency and he doesn't yes. want you guys to die. Like it's like a one yes. plus one equals two, but then it creates all this, you know, I mean, hopefully for most couples, it winds up being an ascension, you know, and, and a real, a real new level of truth, trust, and integrity, because I mean, this happens all the time where the woman's like, no, I need to be at home. And, and yeah, it's, I hear about this all the time. Yeah. And then it's hard to have dialogue. That's one of the first things I noticed is that, um, you know, in a lot of the birth groups, I joined a bunch of home birth groups and you would have women who would post, I want to have a home birth. My husband's not okay with it. And you would get 50 comments that are like, you know, who cares what he said? It's your body. It's your baby. And, you know, on one hand, yes, it's my body. It's my baby. I'm the one who's giving birth. But on the other hand, you know, I, I do want to respect his concern. And I do want to address, you know, what his concerns are. Well, and that's, that's and where, so, like, yes, totally. And I think there's a way to respect and address and still hold this line, you know, like this, yes. this is happening and let's spend the whole pregnancy, you know, exploring <laughs> and, and, you know, you can take charge of, of educating yourself. But I think what gets tricky and where I was probably one of those people that said, who cares? It's your choice. You know, but, <laughs> but I think what gets tricky for me is to respect his 
feelings or his, you know, his involvement when it's based on conditioning and lies, that's where it gets a little tricky for me. It's not real information. It's somebody who has been brainwashed to not trust women and to not trust women's bodies. And this is not unique to him. This is literally everybody, you know? And, And so that's, it's, yeah, it creates a lot of tension. And like I said, hopefully for most people, you know, it's a, it's a real, as it obviously was for you and we're going to get to, you know, cause you did wind up free birthing. Um, well anyway, yeah, just get, I guess, go back to the story. You could say, you could say how, how it went. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, that, and, that, so, and that was definitely a concern of mine because I was like, I'm not, I am not emotionally or physically capable of going back to the hospital for birth. And that was one of the, like, hardest realizations for me was that, like, as much as I really want to, like, respect and, like, yeah, this is your first baby and I want you to have a wonderful experience, too, I cannot. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. It, it's just not going to – there's no way. I just – And it's, you I'm already not, saw no, – no. you had firsthand, uh, I want to say experience, but really it was trauma of what happened yes. there. Yes, it was uh, It was so much trauma, and it was so much, and, you know, there was a lot of, I didn't really have a lot of language around exactly how traumatic it was mm-hmm. until I was already pregnant again. Mm. And, you know, so when, so as soon as, I, I kind of, I feel like I just kind of shut that off, that part off. I was like, this was awful, and I have to move on. And, you know, and I moved on until I was pregnant again, and it was like, oh, so are you going to do this again? And how are you going to do this again so yeah. it doesn't turn out this way? And I was just like, I'm not, there's, I just cannot. And there is no, you know, and having to sit him down and be like, listen, I, it's not going to happen. There's just no way that I'm going to go to the hospital. It's not up for discussion. What is up for discussion is like, let me know your concerns right. and we'll address them. And, you know, he made a list of things that he was concerned about. And, you know, we went through and we researched each and every one of his concerns and, you know, tried to make sure that he had as much information as possible. And that's where I got introduced to people like Ina May, Um, you know, the idea of birthing without fear, Hmm. the idea of, um, you know, everybody always says start out with, uh, um, what's that Ricky Lake documentary? Yeah, Business of Being Born. Yes, the Business of Being Born. And so, you know, we watched that. My husband was unmoved by the (laughs) (laughs) being born. He was like, this is interesting and kind of (laughs) side-eyed me like, uh, okay, well, thanks. Yeah, and I do (laughs) want to point out that, you know, it's, it's what, what I'm hearing you say is that your husband was ultimately open-minded and willing to learn. And that can, that breeds an environment where ultimately it is your choice and it's about getting him, um, it's about his own relationship to it and, and figuring out how to come to terms with, you know, with, with what's going to happen versus what I hear all damn day every day on Facebook and and emails and everything is how do I get my partner on board with my decision or or with my hope or with my dream to free birth? And when somebody says, how do I get my boyfriend on board with the idea of home birth? Frankly, what they're saying is I need his permission. 
it's not going to happen unless my man supports me. And when you approach anything like that, if you're asking permission from the world to do something with your own body, you've already lost, you know? And then I don't say that lightly because it's not easy. It's not easy. And we are trained to ask permission from our men, from our elders, from our doctors. We're women, you know, we're supposed to be submissive. And so, you know, I just want to give, give your partner credit where it's due that what I, what I'm hearing in your story is that it was about his, you know, openness and willingness to honor your decision, even in his discomfort, um, which, you know, that's, that's a good man. I'm, I'm very lucky. <laughs> I'm well, very, very lucky. Yeah, you should, we should only be with, we should only be with men like that. We shouldn't tolerate yes. anything less. <laughs> yes. Cause I've seen stories of women who had to battle, you know, mm-hmm. the whole pregnancy and I just, he and I ended up, we came to an agreement and the agreement was I would get, um, quote unquote, traditional prenatal care from a hospital of his choice. As long as everything, as long as, you know, throughout the pregnancy, they said everything was progressing normally, then I could have the birth however I wanted to have the birth. And he asked that I have a really good, like, just-in-case-something-goes-wrong plan. And I felt like that was fair. Um, you know, and especially for his, for his first child, because like, you know, there's, there is some information that I think that you you can come across from sitting down with a, a, a quote unquote medical professional. Um, and so we agreed to do, we, you know, he picked the hospital and we went and did prenatal visits. And I think that one of the things that really helped was like, I was studying and I'm sending him, you know, links and articles and videos and we're watching all these birth videos and whatnot but you know when we're going to the appointments the doctors are saying the same things I'm saying and less because you know if they're not really that concerned about you know they want you to take the test and, you know, so when you go in and you start saying, well, I'm not going to take this test. I'm not interested in this. Like, this is what's going on with my body. This is what's going on with my baby. I'm clear about it. You know, they're like, oh, you know, here's your um, prescription prenatal. And I'm like, well, what's in this? You know, because it doesn't say on the on the sheet what's in it. And, you know, it's just the, the typical prenatal. Okay, well, is this folic acid or folate? Like, what's happening here? And the doctors, oh, okay, well, you know, it's folic acid. I don't want that. I want, like, you know, we're I'm not okay. used to women having, <laughs> yeah, not at all, you know, and they're, oh, we're going to do this ultrasound, this ultrasound. I don't want that. Um, and it was a very interesting experience. I think, you know, going in, one of the first things that, that I think that he got to see was I had told him, I said, you know, they treat women like an assembly line and like every woman is, is you know, doesn't want to to have babies, is not empowered by her decision to have babies. Like every pregnancy is an accident and watch how they talk to me. And we went in and it was very much, you know, oh, you know, are you guys on welfare? You know, well, you need to get all these, um, you need a vaginal exam so that we can do these STD tests because oh your husband God. probably cheats on you. And oh it, my God. And it was just like... Who are you talking to? I'm a, I'm grown. I'm in my 30s. I am old enough to make a decision to have a child. I'm employed. I'm educated. You know, and not that, that is so racist. More qualified, but just like, why is this 
conversation happening. And then these are conversations that I'm having with other black doctors. Mm. So it was like very clear that this is just ingrained in how the whole system works. It's like when you come in, you are this person until mm-hmm. you bust out of mm-hmm. whatever box they have already put you in. I mean, like we every, I think the first six appointments we went to, they sent a social worker to talk to us about whether we wanted services, and we had to keep being like, we don't qualify for services. Wow. Thanks. We do not qualify for services. We both work. We oh are both God. college educated. We are both like, what? Don't come back here for this. You know, um, they the vaginal exam. They came in. They I refused. They brought another doctor in. I refused again. And they brought the head of the whole department in to come and give me a speech Whoa. about why this is necessary. And I was just like, no. You know, I have statistics about false positives from these tests, and you can do all of this stuff from blood and urine. You do did, not need to do a vaginal exam. Did Did you ever call them out for it being just like point blank systemic racism? Yes. Um, On our third appointment, um, when they brought the head of staff in, uh, I went completely off. Um, I had a list of of issues with how they spoke to me and how they addressed me and was very much like, and you know, even though I'm coming from a, a place of, you know, of education and not of poverty, like the fact that you treat anybody that walks through this door this way is problematic. Of course. Even if a, if a woman needs services, if a woman needs services, she will communicate to you that she needs services. Right. And it, and there's, you know, I filled out y'all's patient intake form and, you know, it, it talks about employment and marriage and things like that. I don't even, like, it, if you guys looked at my basic paperwork, I don't even seem like I would need any services. So, yep. you know, I just don't. And so, you know, saying that to them, like, it, it's a problem that you guys engage anybody this way. Um, and it's and it's not empowering. It's not even if I came in here and I needed all the help in the world, it, I feel bad for even having to ask because of the way that you guys are talking to me mm-hmm. and because of the way that you're treating me. And babies are not accidents. Like, I planned this baby. We talked about this baby. This is something that we both wanted and that we both put the work in for. You know, it's not okay to treat women when they come in and they're pregnant like this is some accident that just happened and, you know, maybe you'll abort. Like, in those type of conversations were just so casual. It's like, well, are you sure? Mm. Well, you know, you have until this long to decide. Mm. And it was just like, why are we? Ha- I didn't come in here and communicate to you that I was unsure. Wow. I didn't come in here and communicate to you that I needed time to decide or anything like that. I came in here to get my proof of pregnancy form, print out my paperwork, and I'm about to go. Because mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. Um, you know, and so I think that it really helped though him watching me have to kind of go through that a little bit. So was he there when you, when you did your whole speech? Yes. Nice. Yes. So I went to my first two appointments. And you're like, see, see why I don't want to freaking be here. Like, come on. (laughs) Yes. And he's sitting and he's kind of looking at them like, are you guys serious? Like what? You know, what? what is this whole approach? What is this? It's called oppression. It's called, yes. it's called wanting, it's called misogyny. It's called sexism. Yes. It's called racism. It's called, you're not actually safe there. Not at all. And it really it brings light to, you know, in America, especially, we just have an anti-baby culture that is very strange and it's very... 
you know, like when somebody comes in and says, you know, like I'm pregnant and, you know, I'm here to get my test. Like there was no kind of, it was not a celebratory event at all. It was very much like, oh, God, you know, are you sure you're going to get fat? And, uh, wow. You know, and it, it was just, I was like, I'm so excited. I'm bringing forth a life, and this is a very special thing that I'm only going to be able to do a limited amount of times for a limited amount of years. This is amazing of for course. me. And I want it to feel amazing. I don't want it to feel like a burden, you mm. know, that I've decided to become a breeder. Like, I don't understand... I don't understand those aspects of our culture. And it, 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 I felt, you know, in, in all of the hospital settings that I've been in, that's been one thing that's been reoccurring is that it, it has not been a celebratory type of thing. It's always a, um, you know, you oh, are you sure, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't want to feel that way. Um, so we ended up, we went to, um, we went to most of the appointments up until about 32, up until 30 to 32 weeks. Um, but, you know, throughout the process, I, you know, I was educating my husband a lot. You know, like we had the um, the, diet, the glucose test, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not interested in that. We had the, um, the test they do for Down syndrome and all of that. And I was like, we're not, if we have a baby with Down syndrome, we're going to figure out how to love this baby with Down syndrome. Like there's just not. There's nothing that no test that you guys are gonna run that's going to make me mm. not have this baby. Mm-hmm. So you know I'm not interested. Well, and um, then and then that test becomes truly unnecessary. You know, it's the same thing with ultrasounds. Like you know, so many people say for peace of mind, and it's interesting because if if somebody gets a 20 week ultrasound and they don't like what they see, well, then are they gonna terminate? Because why yes. why else get it? If you're not going to, you know, if you're going to roll with, with whatever, you know, the universe has provided, you know, given you, then there's really What's no the point. Yeah. Plus, yes. of course I have to insert that ultrasounds are notoriously inaccurate, but go ahead. Very much. And I said <laughs> that as well. So we ended that's the, the only ultrasound we had was the 20 week ultrasound and they required that because we refused all other testing. And we're like, you know, well, we just want to do these measurements, peace of mind, peace of mind, peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you there's know, no such like, thing fine. as there's no such thing as required, right? Like legally, right, right. And, and you know, as you're going through the process, you're just like, whatever, you know, fine. We'll do this ultrasound. You know, it'll be cool for my husband. He can find out if it's a boy or a girl. But at the end of the day, there's not anything that y'all are gonna say that you know, is going to make me change or shift or anything. And I just feel like as a woman, as a mom, you know, like we're in tune with the babies. Like if something isn't right, I just feel like I wouldn't know. Um, You know, I feel like that 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 intuition would kind of kick in that I need to check or I need to, I felt like I wouldn't know. Yeah. And that's you ultimately choosing yourself over technology, you know, which is what, you know, free birth is all about. If you're interested in birthing outside the system, but you don't know where to start, or you're encountering resistance or fear in your own mind or in your community, or even if you just want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row, our new free birth course is for you. Free Birth Society's Complete Guide to Free Birth really is incredibly comprehensive. We cover everything you should know about free birth. Our intention is for every course participant to emerge with the tools to approach your free birth with confidence and the knowledge to discern what safe physiological birth looks like 
and in possession of the power to manifest the birth of your dreams. Find out more at our website at freebirthsociety.com. Yeah, so we stopped. So we stopped going to appointments probably at about thirty weeks and free, and just you know went free from there, which was the most beautiful experience ever. Um, just not having to deal with all of that and mm-hmm. having that opportunity to really just be in tune with my body and with the baby and um, and just rest. Uh, and it actually turned out really good for us because my son was two weeks late, uh, according to. You know, the charts and when I don't believe in late babies, right? Babies come That's not a thing. <laughs> but um, I ended up, I had him um, at 41 weeks and five days. And it was one of those things where I know that had I continued to go um, to the prenatal appointments, that they would have pushed for an induction. Of course. And I could feel that he wasn't ready. As miserable as I was, I could feel like he's just not ready. Like, my spirit was like, he's not ready yet. There's no, you know, there's no, don't, we're not drinking castor oil. Right. We're not doing, well, and nobody, he's just not ready yet. Yeah, nobody can argue if they're doing any sort of indu- induction, castor oil or whatever. The fact of the matter is, if you're not in labor, your baby ain't ready. Like, that's how, it's not ready. that's literally how nature works. So if your baby is cooked and ready, then you will be in labor. It's that simple. And learning about, you know, those last couple of weeks of development as well, right. you know, really understanding what lung development is happening, what brain development is happening, and just, you know, he's not ready, and we're going to let him bake until it's time for him to bake. And, you know, of course, there's pressure all around because everybody is so, you know, people schedule their inductions these days. And so, you know, everybody's, well, when are you going to go back to the hospital? When are you going to just be like, leave me alone. Like when he's ready to come, he's going to come. And, you know, so my husband, he had taken leave. He took all these days off and, you know, his leave was over. Mm. He gets up in the morning to return to work. And I wake up with him and like, hey, I'm in labor today, (laughs) right now (laughs) of all days. Here we are. Um, and we proceed to have what I would consider one of like the most beautiful labor ever. Like I, um, it was so amazing. Now this labor, I'm just like, oh, I hope it's, I hope it's equal. Um, <laughs> we had a water birth. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we got a, a the kitty pool off of Amazon, and um, I was in labor for I want to say about four hours. So I had a, it was a quick birth. I had a lot of. Um, prodromal labor prior to that so you know I think baby was just primed and like ready to go but um it was beautiful because for one as a partner he really respected my wishes in terms of I in labor do not want anybody talking to me I don't want you asking me a lot of questions I don't want you know I didn't do I didn't do cervical checks I didn't check dilation I didn't do um I couldn't find a lot of information about black women in the purple line Mm. Um, and how does purple lines show up on, um, on darker skin? I thought that, yeah, did, so I'm curious about that because I've had that same thought. Well, I'm not sure. Okay. (laughs) I, I literally could not find any, um, birth stories and, you know, and there there might be one out there that I just wasn't able to find. Mm -hmm. I could not find anything about black women in the purple line. We should ask in the, in the Facebook group. Yeah, we should. Yeah, just to see their experience. 
to see if anybody could find it because I couldn't find anything. So I was, you know, it made me be like, well, I'm just not going to worry about it. Sure. And when it's time, you know, it'll be time. And hopefully I'll just know. Um, you know, so we did, I, you know, I had a little playlist and I put my playlist on and we filled up the bathtub and my husband and my younger brother, um, you know, they filled up the, the birth, the uh, pool and, you know, he just left me to myself and he would come in every now and again and be like, you know, you need anything. And I would, you know, I need some more water and he'd go fill up my water bottle and come back and, you know, you need anything? No, I'm good, you know, and and he would go back in the other room. And um, so, you know, funny enough, he noticed that I was in transition before I noticed that I was in transition because I was just in such a zone, you know, like I was in and out of the bathtub just and rocking and walking around. And, you know, I had my list of songs I was singing, and um, then I ended up, on the, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to sit on the toilet. This is going to be my place. And, um, you know, so he comes in the bathroom and kind of looks at me and is like, you need to get in the pool. Like, you're pushing. Like, the baby's coming. And I'm just looking at him. And I was literally thinking to myself, like, I wonder when it'll be time to push. And he's like, bruh, (laughs) you're pushing right now. Like, come on. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So he, like, drags me off the toilet into the pool, and I get into the pool, and, you know, literally two pushes later, here's baby. Oh, my God. Like, in the pool, like, crouched down in the water, and here comes the head. And then we have, like, this moment, you know, where you have about a minute between the next contraction, and it's just, like, we're reaching down, you can feel the baby's head in the water, and, you know, he's, like, in tears, just like, Mm. oh, my God, and... You know, and I'm a bit here, you know, the next push, baby just shoots right out into his hands. And, you know, it was so beautiful and it was so peaceful. And it it was, you know, because right afterwards you get to just put your baby on your chest and get in your own bed mm-hmm. and relax. You know, like I didn't really think about um, delivering the placenta or anything like that. I spent probably a good 45 minutes just laying in the bed with the baby on my chest and, you know, breastfeeding and relaxing. Um, and so we waited probably about 45 minutes before we cut the cord. And then he took the baby, and I went and, and got in the shower, and, and the placenta, you know, toppled right out. But it was beautiful because I didn't even, you know, like the after contraction, I don't remember any of that. It, it was because I was resting, mm-hmm. and I was in my own home, and I was in my own space. Um, and being able to just come out and get back in bed with my baby, you know, he's doing chest to chest and and eat, you know, being able to have somebody right. bring me food. Literally you know, everything, my, pretty much. Yes. My daughter was able to come in and be like, you know, the baby looks funny. <laughs> being like, yeah, you know, he's going to get brown soon. And they all look like the inside of the uterus for the first couple of hours as they fill out, you know. So she's getting to see that, um, you know, I ended up, I, uh, cut my placenta into pieces for smoothies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had a piece of, um, placenta in a smoothie pretty much right away, which I think super helped with like just healing and, you know, how I felt emotionally afterwards. Um, but it was absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, and the birth experience that I would wish for anybody who was going to have a baby mm-hmm. and for, and for him, and you know, it, seeing him see birth that way too was really incredible. Seeing him completely disconnect from the idea that 
this is a medical emergency to a, I delivered my baby, you know, like he, he's proud. You know, when we, as we, we would go, when we went to like get the birth certificate, they gave him a standing ovation. Like he did the work. Mm, I don't like that. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I have to say it. You know, I have to say it. He did. He did not deliver your baby. <laughs> no, no. I, I have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he came, he was so excited. He's, you know, I I caught the baby and just you know yeah, like that's it was amazing. a very my proud. husband caught mine too. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> very proud moment and for him and a very like a very beautiful moment totally. for him. Um which I think is like what made us being able to do a 100% free birth for this next pregnancy mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. Yes, we have the the same, uh, you know, I got all this stuff for the water birth. Um, This time I also got some things just in case I decide to have a land birth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because we we have a lot more room now. So I'm like, oh, I have options. I Mm. can have this baby any way I want to have this baby. Like whatever my spirit says, I can have this baby on the edge of the bed. I can have it in the bathtub. I can have it in the birth pool. Like, and that's cool to really be able to explore. Like there's so many different ways that I can, I can do this. Um, I, this pregnancy has been a lot about, uh, demedicalizing the process in, even in my head. I think that I started out and I I had printed out like all these different worksheets and I was like, I'm going to measure the baby's growth and, you know, we've got our fetoscope, we're going to check the heart rate, we're going to keep notes and whatnot. And I did that for two or three weeks. Um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to check my blood pressure and, uh, you know, I'll check my, um... I'll do, you know, blood sugar testing myself. And then I got to a point where I was like, if I want to have a medical birth, I should go to the doctor totally. and let them do that. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want to have a medical birth, I want to listen to my body and listen to myself. I just want to know what to look for. You know, I know what, what are the signs of, you know, preeclampsia. I know what the signs are of um, gestational diabetes. And um, I eat really well. I'm pre- I'm very active, of course. I have a toddler, so you mm-hmm. know I'm constantly running around. You know, this is an opportunity for me to pay attention to my body and to just spend time being pregnant. And um, that has been it's been really it's changed my whole viewpoint of pregnancy to just. You know, I feel like I feel this baby move a lot more than any of my other babies because that's, you know, that's my focus is like, mm-hmm. are you moving around today? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on with you? How You know, and, and just being able and, and touching this baby and, and being like, okay, well, you know, what's, how are you feeling today? How's my body feeling today? Um, this has not been the easiest pregnancy. You know, I, I tend to get, I wasn't as sick with my last baby. This baby, I have been sick the entire time. Mm. Um which has not been fun, but it's also not been, you know, I I didn't need to go get IVs and I didn't need to go do any of those things because I knew a lot of different preventative things to do to just make sure that I was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different ways to get my vitamins in, different, you know, I experimented a lot with um, protein shakes and meal replacements and things like that when I couldn't, especially during the first trimester when I really couldn't hold much down. Um, I rested, you know, like this pregnancy was a lot about just like resting and letting my body send that energy towards making sure that the baby is, is getting what the baby needs and that I'm getting what I need. Um, even on top of, of mothering, 
my other two children, you know, and, and trying right. to take care of my household and whatnot. But, like, this, the whole process has just been really different and, you know, really meditative. Beautiful. So it'll just be you and your husband and your older kiddos? Yes, I still haven't decided what I'm going to do with my kids yet. Um, you know, we def- my uh, my oldest daughter really wants to help, but I also know that I just am very, I'm such an internal birther that I'm afraid that I don't want her to distract me. Mm-hmm. And um, my little one is one of those kids that just needs so much constant attention. He's a toddler. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I've told my husband, like, oh, well, you know, go play with him and I'll have the baby and text you guys. Totally. Totally. <laughs> totally. I know moms who much. I know moms who have done that. You know, and it's super likely that they'll be sleeping, you know, and that it'll happen at nighttime and but yeah, it's good to have contingency yes, plans. I hope so. You know, I, he's not really a good sleeper either. And oh, so I bummer. feel like <laughs> no matter what happens. You're like, I'm um, just going to give my kids Benadryl at the beginning of my, yes. of my labor. <laughs> <laughs> that literally, I was like, oh, how about these melatonin gummies? Yeah, exactly. Just, just for tonight. Sleep <laughs> tonight. Um, you know, so I'm not sure. I saw a video not too long ago of a lady who had a, a baby who looked like he was about my baby's age who was in the birth pool with her, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was super cute. We talked about getting like a little, a little teeny tiny pool and filling up a pool for him <laughs> that, you know, he can get in and that he can play in while if, you know, when I get into the pool, um, I would like to try to keep him with me as much as, as possible and mm-hmm. have them here if possible, mm-hmm. but then, you know, have my plan be like, if it's, I can't focus, which all got to go. Totally. Um, <laughs> I mean, whatever, because, you, you know, throw a movie on in the other room or something, if, if yes. Elmo and the Kindle. Yeah, you're going to come into play. You just, the problem is you just have to come to terms with peace, you know, birthing to Elmo in the background. <laughs> one of my, one I of mean, my, I interviewed another woman who um, tried that and she, but the only thing they wanted to watch was uh, SpongeBob. And she was like, I am not birthing my baby to SpongeBob. <laughs> and then here it is. I made a um I made this I made a playlist. I thought we could like dance and kind of sing together, um, especially like at the be- as as labor starts. Um, but then you know I also think about my last labor was it was quite short, mm-hmm. you know, and was quite it was it was a very intense process, and I just don't I'm not sure. So you know I I'm really excited to to see how it shakes out. I would love for them to be here, but mm-hmm. you know at the same time. I also want to make sure that I'm able to get into the zone that I need to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who knows? I'm I'm very curious how, as a mom with a toddler, because, you know, last time my daughter was six, so she was old enough for me to be like, oh, you know, go sit downstairs for a minute or, you know, to make her own decisions about coming in and out of the birth room. She came and would check for a little while, mm-hmm. and then she would leave and, you know, go back and do her own thing. I'm very curious how... Um, how it'll impact, you know, as a mom of a toddler, the intuition, will I be, you know, will I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I need you to go now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, will, will I, will I just know just, you know, like of course I you will. everything else. Yeah. And so I'm very excited about connecting to, to that aspect mm-hmm. of, of, of the birth this time. Totally. Well, we'll have to circle back after this little one's here and 
see how that all went for you. You know, and I, I will yeah. say that obviously I talk to women all the time about their, their stories and, um, you know, I can't think of any that haven't said that, that it just, it just flows. You know, if, if your little kiddos are meant to be there, it'll, they'll be awake and they'll be there. And if, if you're meant to go into the bathroom while Papa's, you know, hanging out with them in the other room, or if, you know, sometimes I feel like the energy is so big with birth that kids are like, well, you can't see my face, but kids are like, they just, they know how to not freak out. You know, like they're just there and they're yes. in awe and they're watching and, you know, and, I, and I'm sure you are, but I think it's always wise to talk to them about, um, I love, I love the term like healthy blood or good blood, you know, that we're going to see some good blood and we're going to, um, you know, and mama's going to be a lion and she's going to get really big and really wild. And she's going to act like a a lion and, you know, to like prep them for the bigness of it. And obviously he's only two, so who knows how much of that he'll, he'll integrate, you know, as you're talking about yes. it. But, um, but yeah, I think. Yes. Any... And we do watch birth videos with him too. I think that's been one thing that's really interesting is like, you know, he understands that there's a baby happening in a way that I wasn't, I didn't anticipate, especially at that age. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah. and has for a long time. I'm like, there's a baby in here. And he's like, baby, and like, well, point to my stomach. And mm-hmm. So, you know, at first I was like, oh, he doesn't really get it. But then he would start to see, like, little babies in the store and be like, baby. Like, yeah. This is what's in you. This mm-hmm. is what's happening. And so he has, like, a connection to to this baby already and so then I started to show him um, some shorter less graphic videos because I wanted him to hear the sounds because that was my main concern was like okay well you know when you hear me I'm a loud birther so when you hear me own roaring you know I don't want him to I didn't want him to panic I didn't want him to you know to get upset and be trying to figure out what's going on so you know I'm like here watch these videos watch these videos and he loves the videos like he sees he's like this that's the baby now you know he Mm -hmm. walks up this is kind of graphic but he walks up and like grabs my vagina now and it's like oh the baby's (laughs) coming out of there (laughs) you know like so he understands hopefully hopefully he doesn't do that during your birth oh my gosh yes right (laughs) no I didn't consent to this, um, you know, but he understands some aspects of it. And then I've been asking him lately, like, remember when you were in my belly? And, you know, he's not very verbal yet. So, but I feel like he, I feel like he's still connected enough to the, to his birth totally. process. Um, I mean, to, look, this is the most. kind of relate. Yeah. I mean, this, this is life. This is what, whether, whether he's 20 or 40 or two, I mean, we all come from this and on a, well, a very realistic and biological and spiritual, you know, way, of course they're going to be great and they're going to get it. And there's, they're going to find their, their way of interacting with it, which is most likely to be that he'll probably sleep through a lot of it and maybe come, you know, out towards the end, or maybe he'll hop in the birth tub after the baby's there. Or, you know, I mean, I've seen so many family births where it just goes, I've just, I've always seen it go so sweetly. I really have. Yes, I thank you for saying that because um, th- that's really it's very soothing. Because I do you know I feel like this is a great unknown. Of course, it would be whether you had a, a toddler or not. Predictable, <laughs> and, and right. So a lot of things about it that you know I'm pretty that I'm like oh you know this birth is going to be fine it's going to be smooth and you know and then I'm looking at him like but you're the wild card mm-hmm. so totally we'll see what happens with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. But it is, you know, he is, 
it's it's going to be a family birth, even if that means that Papa's in the other room with them, you know, whatever, watching a show or taking them for a walk and, and you are, you know, in the bathroom by yourself. I mean, that's, that's okay too. You know, if that's what winds yes. up being the most, um, helpful to you, because that's the thing you can rely on is whatever, however this goes down, you're going to organize the most helpful dynamic. And you don't have to know yet if that is having your kiddos around, having them in the tub, having them, um, not around, having them at the park down the street. If it's in the middle of the day, you know, you're going to know what's most helpful to me. And I know you kind of said it jokingly, but it's true. You could totally just text them like, okay, come back. (laughs) I mean, obviously the third option is if you had a support person who could be on call that you could be like, can you get them out of the house for a couple hours? You know, a lot of people do that, of course. Yes, and we we definitely do, Um, you know, but one of the most attractive things for me about home birth and free birth is the way that my kids can be involved. Because, you know, I look at my daughter who, um, you know, she's getting ready to turn nine. This will be her second home birth that Mm -hmm. she's experienced. And so I think about when it's her turn to have a baby, if she decides that she wants to have babies, when it's her turn to have a baby, her viewpoint of birth is going to be completely different than I think what a lot of her peers are cultured to, where, you know, a lot of her friends are going to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're pregnant, you go to the hospital. My daughter is like, well, that's not the only option. <laughs> I've seen, you know, I've seen, I watched my mom have two Hell babies, yeah. you know, or however many babies I end up having, mm-hmm. or, you know, I've seen this happen at home. I've seen this be, I've like, she's seen birth from an empowered perspective versus seeing birth only from a, somebody else has to direct me through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited about that. And, and the same thing for him now, you know, as, 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 um, you know, we're going through this process, really thinking about, you know, what his experience is in terms of being able to see, you know, birth from a place of empowerment. One of the things that was really interesting to me, um, you know, was this, particularly with dealing with my family, was that um, a lot of my older family was very much um, pro, you guys need to go to the hospital. And it was very strange to me because as um, African-American people uh, who came up in the South, it was, a you know, it was, Big Mama up the street, right? Everybody's babies, totally. And so, you know, saying to them, like, well, why is it that you guys are so pro hospital when you were delivered by somebody's auntie in your living room floor, in your bathroom, in your kitchen? Your your grandma went and boiled some water up, and y'all had this whole process that you did at home. Like, what? Why are we disconnected from that? Because you guys are fine. You guys are perfectly healthy. And what the they say. Point of birth is, you know, was always well. You know, it was this weird thing of well, you know, at at a certain point, it it got pushed that you go to the hospital. That's where it's safe. You know. Um, People don't die at the hospital and you say, well, no, that's not true at all. And a lot of times, you know, when a baby is born and there's problems with the baby or the mother, it has nothing to do with where the birth took place. Mm-hmm. It has to do with, you know, other other elements, other things that are going on that would have taken place whether you were at home, whether you were in the car, whether you were at the hospital. Why have we gotten away from the idea that you can have your baby at your house? 
and brainwashing where does that come from yes very 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 much but you know like everybody wants the epidural now and everybody wants the you know it's amazing to me how many women when I talk to them about you know the ways that I give birth and they're just like well I just couldn't do it and it's like well why not what is it about you that you feel like you can't that you can't why can't you you know get through this, this couple of hours of 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 transition of, of you know bringing your baby forth why 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 do you feel like you can't and right and thinking about the language that we use when mm-hmm. we talk about labor and you're in pain and it's awful and you know we can save you and this that and the other and it's like well you know i could figure out how to endure you know the, the feelings that that come with pushing a baby out because to me, that that's much better than having somebody stick a, a needle in my spine. You and know? you I, got you got to experience why a woman gets an epidural. You know, you're strapped down, being treated like shit. You've been treated your entire pregnancy like you don't know anything about what's going on. I mean, I can't believe women birth at ep- birth at hospitals without epidurals, with the way that the whole room is physically very intentionally set up for you to be a silent, numb, good girl on your back. I mean, the whole yes. the whole everything about it is high volume. And it's incredibly hard to manage a wild woman in a tiny ass room who wants to do things Uh, her own way. But what's interesting is that I birth with tons of women at home and I almost never hear a woman talk about epidurals at home ever. You know, it's like it's when you're in a different model where it's not even on the table, they find powerful coping mechanisms, whether it's like, like you did, whether it's water, whether it's a chant, whether it's a movement, whether it's a song, whether it's being silent, whether it's being alone, whatever it is, um, you know, those are, those are power tools and I, I can't even think and of they one stay with you. Right, exactly. And they're coming from within you, of course. And so, I mean, and I, I get it. I do have compassion for women who say, of course I need an epidural. I don't want to feel birth because birth has been taught to me that it is the most horrific, suffering, horrible thing that could possibly happen. And so of course I want to opt out of that. But the secret and why we have this podcast and what you know and what I know is that actually that's not true at all. And when you're in an environment that um, nurtures the truth which is, it doesn't mean that birth is easy or that it even feels good like it does for some women, but, but what it, yeah, but what it means is that it's crazy powerful and that you will walk through those gates and be a, a new born person, you know, that, that experiences. Yeah, totally. So it's, it's, it's why we talk about this stuff is that there is a, we have been lied and we, we have been lied to and we have amnesia. Um, and we have, as women have completely lost touch with our ancestry in this way. Um, and in such a short, in what couple generations, you know, I mean, just, it's like, hasn't even been that long. Most of our grandparents were born at home. Certainly yes. our great-grandparents, you know. So, yeah, totally. I mean, yes. I, 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 your journey is so important because it's 
it kind of encapsulates the whole thing, right? Like you, you thought that you were going to get this best of both worlds idea at the hospital with a midwife, which is super, super, uh, not only understandable, but very common and totally untrue, right? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes, yes. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, you walked, you tried to find this compromise with your partner and, f- you know, thankfully he came with you and saw what you were having to fight against. And, you know, you guys made an autonomous choice to do it your way and you had an epic birthday experience. And now, you know, you're going to keep that in your family. Like you just reclaimed birth for your, for your ancestors, for your lineage and for your children. Yes. And that, that is the biggest thing, you know, for, for me about this whole process. Hell yeah. Just the, the power of it and the power of like, no, I can, I can do this. I can make these babies and I can grow these babies and I can, you know, I can care for them and I can birth them. And, and the birth, learning to see the birth as a beautiful process as well, uh, it has been one of the biggest breakthroughs of my life, mm. of just reclaiming the language and reclaiming the process mm-hmm. of birth for myself, and then seeing how that impacts the other people that I'm around and other people that I talk to mm-hmm. about, you know, what their birth experience is going to be like. You know, it definitely, it makes me a little bit sad a lot of times when I'm talking to women um, about that because it just, their approach to birth is so much from a place of fear. Oh, it's tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. You know, trying to help them dismantle that without them feeling like I'm pushing, you know, that they should do what I do. Because, you know, that it might not be for you. you. You might not be a person who wants to free birth and whatnot, but just like encouraging women to get as educated as possible about what's happening to your body and what all of your options are. And just, you know, like there's just, there's so much more to birth than pain and fear. Yep. In fact, it can be the complete opposite. Absolutely, the complete opposite. I think the best advice that uh, one of the women gave me in one of the groups is she said, you know, when you get to the point where you feel like you maybe can't do it, that's how you know the baby's almost here. (laughs) And when you get to that point, you have a choice. You can, you know, you can opt out and, and try to go get some support or you can gather up the last little bit that you feel like you have and you're and you'll have a baby in your hands in no time Mm -hmm. and she was absolutely right like right at that moment where I was like oh my god can I really do this like boom here's the baby Mm -hmm. and then as I talk to other women you know I hear them express a very similar sentiment of like okay well I got to the point where I thought I was going to call I thought I was going to go ahead and transfer and then they're like no and then I had the baby it was great where they transferred and left or transferred, had the baby in the hallway, had the baby in the car on the way. Because that moment where you feel like maybe you can't do it, it's, you've done it. Yeah. It's already done. Yeah, totally. Stay home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This was awesome to hear your story and so powerful. And, you know, it's just, yeah, like we said, it's, I mean, it's just all about reclaiming it and everyone's, you know, that that's into this is finding their own path with it. And it's just so important that we share those stories. Yes, definitely. Um, thank you for doing this. And thank you for, you know, creating a space for, for women to even discuss rebirth. Um, it, especially in, in our community, it's very difficult to, um, to find safe spaces mm-hmm. to discuss 
you know, what is free birth and what does free birth look like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and especially now with a lot of the um, statistics coming out about the black right. um, mortality rate uh, in childbirth and what have you, and as you're trying to have conversations and navigate with uh, different women about, you know, why is this happening and where is this coming from, and then you say to them, like, well, I don't go to the doctor for my babies, and they're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? And trying to um, expose more people to what it means to have a free birth and what it means to have an unassisted birth or to have a, a home birth, a midwife birth, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and I think, I think, interesting. I think we need to be very clear when we talk about the, the infant and maternal death rates of women of color and why they are so much higher. I think our language needs to be very clear that it is Yes, women have four t- women of color have four times as more likely chance of having h- horrible outcomes in the system. It's not just in yes. childbirth. It's not just that yes. if you put a black and a white woman together in a home birth that that's the same, you know, that that truth is still the same. It's not. It is in the system from systemic health care, you know, from the sorry, I'm saying this wrong. From the systemic racism in the healthcare model. And so yes. it is not, and that, that's why women of color free birthing is, is those stories need to get spread more than anybody, in my opinion, because it is not that black women are at a higher risk of a bad outcome, just like right. point blank. It's, just, it's the treatment. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because where I am in, in D.C., the, the area where I live in D.C., they have closed all of the labor wards. Um, at all of the hospitals that are within about 20 minutes of me um, because of, you know, these high rates of mortality and all of these different issues. They, they had a doctor who was delivering babies who was not, who, who was not um, licensed to be doing so and, like, all of these different elements going on. And so, you know, it's really interesting to, to be in a position to have a conversation with women who are, you know, hey, I'm pregnant and being like, well, you know, you should think about alternative ways to have your baby besides mm-hmm. entering into the system and that it is doable and it is safe and it is, you know, you educate yourself, educate yourself, educate yourself, but take power back over your birth and that we need to stop you know, hitting the hospital and letting them dictate what birth is for yeah. us and yeah. what is normal for us and what it should look like and start to get back into like, no, people been having babies for since forever. Well, and especially like, don't, don't go time. to a model that doesn't give a shit about you. You know, that's, right. that's like really like the bottom line and it's, it's painful, but let's just call it what it is. Don't go somewhere mm-hmm. where they don't care about you. Go where yes. you are going to be cared for. And if you can't find that, then just do it yourself. Create it. Yeah, yes. create you it. Create it. <sighs> so I really appreciate outlets like this and opportunities like this. Yeah, it's important. It is important to talk about. Well, thank you for sharing, and yeah, we'll have to circle back once once your third little little love is, yes, is here. Yeah, once the next one comes, then maybe I'll have a great story about how the two-year-old helped. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> let him catch. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't let him catch. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, girlfriend. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.